I had the greatest experience. Like the last couple of days driving around my town, I saw more smiles on faces than I think I've seen in two years. People just driving around with big grins on their faces in their car. People waving you through when you get to the intersection, letting you go when you pull into a parking lot, saying hi to you. I just something about the New Year's just had my town in a great mood. It's nice to see. I thought the grins might have been like drawn on the way you're describing <laughs> it, but it sounds like if they're waving you through, that's a different story. Also unrelated, but according to the local news, uh, my town is the most heavily medicated town in the uh, <laughs> state. Well, I don't know. It's office hours with Chris. Hello, everyone. It's the first office hours of the year. One of the last office hours. Who knows? I don't even know. So how could you know? But I'm here. And Brent's here. Hey, Brent. Hello. This is number 20. Can you believe it? No. No, we just did this. Seems wild. Yeah, we just, just started like yesterday, right? I actually put 19 in the dock. Yeah, just couldn't accept it. So we have something special going on today. We have two old friends in the sense of the show, not in the sense of the age, uh, rejoining us to discuss some of the projects that we want to kick off and get work done in 2023. I'm really excited to have both of you back. Uh, Stefan, let's start with you. Your last episode was episode eight. And now you here you are on the big two zero. Welcome back to the show, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice what you've done with the place in the meantime. It looks really <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was really Brented most of the decorating. Most of the decorating. Well, you know. What can I say? Yeah. And then Elray, you're joining us. Your last episode was episode fifteen. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Why, thank you. I appreciate it. No dogs or penguins this time. <laughs> no. 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 It's we're just getting serious business done. You know, I'm really happy to have you here, Stefan, because I know, I don't, I mean, I haven't really seen you around much. So I thought, okay, I don't know if he's gone and I, and you're back now. And one of the things I love about this community is sometimes people do step away for a little bit, but they often do come back. How have you been? How's life been for you? And uh, are we going to see you around uh, a, a little bit more these days? Uh, yeah. So um, work was a bit wild and uh, <laughs> like always, like uh, end of the year comes super unexpected. And everyone's like having wanting to finish uh, up stuff for this year and so on. And it was like too much work. So I had to step away for a bit. That's understandable. Yeah. And uh, I was super happy that uh, Ray took basically over my, my role or that it worked the way we envisioned that always somebody is there that can carry the torch basically. But yeah, I, I was sure I was uh, coming back. So, but I, I couldn't really put a date on it and just had to finish up stuff. I'm really impressed with actually how smooth that worked. And of course, we're really grateful for for Elroy kicking it off. And for some context here, for those that didn't catch maybe office hours five or eight, Stefan really got the ball rolling on the community build of the website and created an MVP that was sort of the galvanizing move that created the community momentum. And as as he just mentioned, we needed to step away for work. Uh, we were so grateful that Elray stepped in. And that's really always what you want to help you hope to see on an open source project. <laughs> but Which sometimes never happens. it's not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like one dude with like a lot of feature requests and getting yelled at that something's not implemented. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the trick is just have everyone yell at Brent. Yeah, that works pretty well, actually. We can count on that one. Uh, I will also say that uh, a bunch of other community members stepped up. So uh, I'm not going to list everyone because there were tons of you. But um, I just got to say, like, thanks to everyone else, too, who 
stepped up with, you know, reviewing PRs, CG-based players, been doing that kind of stuff, and uh, just some amazing contributions, too, from other members who kind of just popped in from time to time. So thanks to everybody. Speaking of which, uh, we could we could talk about a contribution contribution from Chance M to improve the live indicator. That's something that uh, could be going out to production right now as we're recording. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Chance has been doing some uh, great PRs recently, and uh, this is a tiny one, but like a really nice quality of life addition. Uh, we did have a live status indicator for when you had the menu kind of expanded. So you had the alt menu items across the top of the screen. But when you shrunk your window or you're on mobile, um, that all kind of collapsed into a menu in the top right-hand corner, and there was no live indicator for that little badge at the top that represented the menu. So this is a an addition just to add an indicator, a live indicator, to that menu icon, which is seemingly a small thing. But Chance, of course, went the extra mile and made it so that it kind of pulses as we're live. So it's not just static. It's kind of dancing up there. So, Elray, I know you've been having a look at it, and you did a bit of actual extra work to, to test this. Can you give us a tour of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I actually did merge that into the develop. So it's not in prod yet because we said we were going to re be responsible this time. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, all right. But it is on Boring. Our... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not exciting for a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, just being careful and something breaks. That's all. It's yeah. Like... <laughs> we, we've matured. We've matured no, okay. in these 20 yeah. episodes. It I seems. support that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the reason why I was really gone is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. We did deploy it to the development branch, though. So uh, that is now... I posted a link into the JB chat that you can view the actual mobile status indicator. Oh, okay. I'm going to look at that right now. Uh, so while it's not on production, <laughs> it is on our develop preview, so that way people can actually see it and interact with it. And and before the the use case before was that if you were in the mobile view, you wouldn't know there was no indication at all that we were live. Is that the case? Correct. I think if you opened the menu, you would get a red indicator as you would if the menu was kind of expanded. If you expand the hamburger menu, exactly. Yeah, but you would have to explicitly expand it to then get that indication. So it wasn't really accomplishing what we were looking for. What's nice is you can reproduce this on the desktop version just by dragging your browser around and making it a smaller screen size it'll the, the website will reform and then you can actually see this uh what we're talking about without having to have a mobile device you can see that the little red dot shows up on the hamburger menu just by resizing your desktop browser window chance actually added a nice little quality of life thing for pulsing as well once you click on the hamburger menu it actually makes the pulsing disappear and it only has the actual live page read so that way it's almost like a, a guided user journey that's so thoughtful that is really a nice little touch that is a little detail again that i just don't know if we would have even thought of you know nope <laughs> i can tell you we wouldn't have <laughs> but i think that's really the advantage of having people like the two of you and everyone who's been contributing to the project it's like you're users of the website and often you know for chris and wes and i and when you're on this side of the production, sometimes you don't 
really see those niceties that you want to have on the website. So Chris has said this multiple times, but it's so nice to have the actual users of the website have some say in how it's getting designed and to implement features that we would have never even known was a nice thing to have. So it's such a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that should be going out. When do we decide if it's uh past testing? Do we just, some of us test it and then and bless it forward? Uh, how does that, what's the next step for a feature like this before it hits jupiterbroadcasting.com? So right now we kind of just arbitrarily choose whenever we want to deploy. <laughs> fair. Um, That's fair. But overall, we do all of the testing before it hits the actual develop branch. So at any time, the develop can be deployed because it's already been through reviews of individual people already. And with this contribution, I actually also added some extra tests so that way, whenever we get future contributions, we can make sure that it's not going to modify or remove the actual live indicator for mobile or for the actual uh, live tab as well. I made it to where we're using, for those that don't know, we're using Playwright and PyTest with Python, so that way we can write tests for the website and making sure things are working properly. And one of the things that you can do with that is you can intercept requests. And so what I did is whenever you actually make a request for the live page, it will try to, it will intercept the response for that request. And I injected an actual live event that I had just grabbed one time. I think it was actually the uh, Cottonwood Lups uh, episode. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Don't remind us of that one. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you look at the test and I put screenshots uh, on the PR, but whenever you look at the test, which not a lot of people do, you actually see the rendering of that episode on the website and you see the little live button. And I also added a mobile device viewport. Now we're also going to be able to test viewports for multiple mobile devices so we do one for iphone 13 galaxy s9 plus and i think it was a pixel device as well that's great that is really neat i didn't realize that last part that you also added functionality to test mobile devices because we've seen a lot of issues come in with various parts of the website that are like oh i'm on mobile and i can't you know submit a contact form because there's this thing hidden or whatever and uh so I'd imagine that testing going forward will benefit us in, in many, many ways. That's awesome. Yeah, right now it's just for the live page, but I made it to where you can easily just add it to the test as a parameter. And you can, there's a specific way you do it right now. But in the future, we can integrate it to where we can technically do all the three major browsers and we could do all the three major browsers for any viewport size that Playwright supports. Um, so it's something that we'll have to continue to integrate, but it, the foundation is there now to where we can actually integrate it in the tests and have better support for that. That, you know what, that feels like a, a nice professional operation there. I want to shift gears now and let's talk about uh, hopes and dreams for 2023. And Stefan, I'd like to kind of start with you. I'm curious if you could uh, wave a magic wand and herd all of the cats what would be the next thing you'd you would uh, start working on on the website? Um, yeah, so 
the the main focus for me would be starting out uh, with the archive, so the the old episodes, and um, also backfilling some current episodes that are missing. For example, for Coda Radio, I think the first fifty two episodes are missing, and stuff like that, and also download like all videos and mp3s and whatnot uh, to a central location in an organized manner mm. because they are now now like all over the place they are like fireside scale engine libsyn archive.org even yeah yeah um, and i encountered so many different uh, uh yeah solutions that and i want to gather all those assets together and store them in uh, in a minio bucket that's basically self-hosted simple storage, um, basically like a lined object storage. So um, we have a good structure going forward and also like download all fireside assets also from the current shows. So we have them all together. If we would want to leave fireside, we would have all the assets and it would be pretty trivial to switch over. And also... For the archive, I'm integrating or reintegrating the XML feeds and that uh, Hugo builds the XML feeds because then you could just grab an XML feed from archive show and then use it in your normal podcast application and, and listen to your favorite old episodes and so on. So you can pull down the archive through your podcast player. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also like um, the, the inline podcast player I integrated uh, which was switched for the other one that I will use for the archive because they are not hosted on Podverse, I guess. And so we need like this player for the old episodes and also like uh, a video player for the old videos. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's like, uh, so the archive is a, is a bit of work. Um, I already started. I also looked into CDN pricing and so on and then stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> CDN pricing for like uh, media delivery is like insane. So Cloudflare uh, only hosts uh, text files. So they are not really keen hosting MP3 and video files. They have like a, a different rate for that. But it's like contact us, which is always a bad sign. <laughs> if they don't put the price on the website and say contact us, yeah. it's always too expensive. And I think um, the the cheapest delivery network was uh, Akamai, and that was like roughly guesstimated like three k a month, like US dollars. And I was like, okay, probably not. So, and I think I think we should try something like Linux object storage for the archive and see how that goes. And then maybe just use also Linux uh, object storage for the live shows as well for the for the shows not archived and then look where the where yeah where we go from there because like cdn is like far too expensive and i think also like it really doesn't provide so much uh in in, in terms of quality of life and so on it's true the archive isn't going to have a lot of concurrent downloads like the current shows do no, it's going to be you know one off. Although it could be a lot of them, I suppose if somebody was pulling down, you know, all of the episodes or something like that. But the entire back catalog because they want to have it locally. Maybe this is. I wish I know this is this is just me, but I wish BitTorrent Sync. I know there's Resilio and there's Sync thing, but I just wish BitTorrent Sync would have taken off because for a hot minute, 
I had a good little chunk of listeners that were syncing the episodes over BitTorrent Sync, and uh, that was just so nice because everybody became the CDN, and you know, you just had a folder on your hard drive, and a new episode would show up in it. <laughs> it was pretty neat in that regard. Yeah, the archive though would be a big project. It's, I think the storage and the CDN is our trickiest aspect with it. It's always been sort of the thing I've come up against because if we really wanted to make all those old MP4s available, well, you know, we do have a good chunk of all of that already on Scale Engine. So we could just continue to use Scale Engine for the storage. Like most of the MP4s, but not all of them, but a lot of them are going to be on there already. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I will download them anyway and uh, name uh, name them in a proper format and make like... Clean it up. Yeah, clean it up. And uh, that makes more sense. And then we can see if we use it or not. Yeah, but I, I just, uh, as I said, like the CDN pricing was like insane. And I think the, the, the best way would be to use something like MinIO. I mean, you could min host MinIO yourself on a normal server. I've thought about too, for current shows, something like Linode Object Storage, where it actually the file lives, and then Cloudflare R2 in front of that for the actual distribution. I don't know exactly how that would work. I haven't really looked that far into it. But to speaking to the replacing Fireside topic, Fireside is, for the listeners, that's our back-end podcast hosting platform. They manage the RSS feeds, and they manage the CDN, and they manage, like, if you go to officehours.hair, that's a Fireside page. And um, the service is, is good, and one of the best deals about it is what we pay for it easily is, is valuable just because of the CDN pricing, except, except for LUP. LUP is large enough that they had negotiated, they, they forced us, <laughs> they gave us, like, I want to say it was maybe at best 30 days, maybe it was three days to like pay up <laughs> or get off the platform for LUP. And so we have a special negotiated price, which is they negotiated it up <laughs> for LUP. But the other shows, it's like a steal. Like it's unbelievable that, you know, we're getting CDN pricing at that cost. With Linode and Akamai merging, is that maybe something that could be? I don't know how partnerships work, <laughs> but... Oh, yeah, sure. It's just, you know, so, I mean, even if a partnership lasted five years, if if, I, if we're trying to build systems for 15 years, that's my that's my question. It's like I the thing I like about some layer of abstraction is with Minnow or Linode, you could have you could have it be anywhere. You could have that back end cache be on any system that supports an S3 compatible object storage. And so Linode would be my obvious go to. But having like R2 in front of it means we could change where R2 is pointed down the road, potentially, if we needed to, uh, because we also have a lot of storage here in the studio. We don't have a great connection today, but there's discussions of one day getting a fiber connection, symmetric gigabit here at the studio. We'll see if it ever actually happens. But, you know, so we could have a little bit more capacity here, especially if there was a front end cache in front of that. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to crack that one. I, I think inevitably we will end up using Linode object storage for some portion of it. Uh, all right. All right. So uh, while we're on you, what is your kind of like if you could wave the magic wand, hurt all of the cats automatically, uh, what would you like to see happen to the website? I don't know. Let's just say in the next few weeks or month or whatever, kind of an immediate timeline. And then if you got a long term one, you can throw it in as well, of course. I was about to say, how long do we have? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so more immediate. I know that RSS feeds have been really important and something that JB overall has been really invested in. So working probably with Wes and I know Chance has been working on things a little bit as well to get that fully integrated, at least for office hours or whatever it'll be in the future. 
to have that working would be awesome. I know that there's a lot of other things I would like, uh, like transcripts and stuff like that would be really cool if we could get that done this year. I don't think in the next couple of weeks, but <laughs> <laughs> it'd be awesome to eventually have that. Cause there's been so many times that I want to go back and like, Oh, what was that one thing? And, uh, I know that notes.jb.com has helped, but. It, but, you know, having a transcript would make the notes.jupiterbroadcasting.com search even better. Mm-hmm. But Podverse, I don't know how long they've had this because I, I, don't, I don't listen to a lot of shows that have transcripts. But Podverse has an auto scroll function with the transcript. So you can, you know, so you're like, you got the Podverse app up. You can swipe to the right and the transcript comes up and it's following along with the host as they're speaking. And you can scroll back and forth and jump to that point by tapping on the sentence. And it's so handy when you're trying to go back and refer to something. I can't even I can't even tell you it's like a game changer when you just I know they talked about this and I just want to go find it at this point in the show. And between chapter markers and then the transcript, you can get to the actual like second really quick. So yeah, I agree. That'd be a great one too. I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I you know, for me, mine would be I want to see the uh, geocache stuff. I don't know. I think we need somebody who's excited about that and wants to own that one. But somebody who wants to help us organize uh, Jupiter stashes. And we've got some ideas. So that's one thing I'd like to see added. What about you, Brent? What's your uh, what's your, on your wish list? I feel like you're pushing a name there. Jupiter stashes. Is that going to be like the... <laughs> you like that? You got a domain name in mind or what? Well, now we got to get one now. Yeah. <laughs> but Stefan, I know you had some like maybe blue sky ideas in this area that you were mentioning to me just the other day. Uh, you want to throw some of them out there? Yeah, yeah. So um, I I uh, did some geolocation stuff with uh, like open street maps and so on. So I I think you shouldn't use Google for that uh, for obvious reason. Also for pricing and so on. I think this opens like a can of worms in the sense that you need like interactivity for the site because it would be nice to have like a form where people can fill out. I found the stash, or here's the stash, and right where they where they hid one. Yeah. And so for that, we need like a dynamic portion of the site. And maybe you could do something with um, Python and uh, Fast API so that we have like, I don't know, api.jupiterbroadcasting.com. And um, then we have like the dynamic part there and can come up with a JavaScript application that uses the API to store every information and so on. Um, and then with Python, you have like all options. Like you could even do a commit to the site and then store it in markdown files and use our yeah hugo setup to to render the front end or yeah you, you just use a database but that would also be uh, a solution for integrating search mm. because then we have like an api and then we can have a search endpoint and that searches the content and uh, if we need better search we could integrate like Elasticsearch or something similar and have this as a proxy for every other software we want to use. And uh, a bit further than that, uh, it would maybe make sense to have um, an OAuth service provider, like something like accounts.jupiterbroadcasting.com, where um, people can register. And then every other software we use We'll use this OAuth provider and then you have like one central location for accounts and can like use any other open source software that supports OpenID 
and yeah, you have your Jupyter broadcasting account and can log in to everything. And what would that login get you? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, of course, you don't want like anyone without credentials uh, adding content to the site for slashes, for example. I think you won't have like authorized, yeah, and also like to notify maybe people when a stash was found and added to or so on, and you want to notify them. And yeah, I could see also a use case for that with uh, the meetups. We want, we'd like to eventually have community members have the capability of organizing their own meetups and become like probably you'd have meetup organizers that are recognized as the person who or, who owns that meetup and things like that. And um, I think it would be beneficial to have something like, um, yeah, your own account system uh, where you can store everything like, yeah, this is like a meetup administrator and so on, and then have like other open source tools access this account system to give roles to the people and so on. But you don't have to send people around and let them create 80 different accounts to interact with something. Right. So that's that's quite nice. I like where your head's at. That's some good stuff too. You know, and I could even see that, like going back to the API portion of it, this is not really something that I think we'd even work on this year, but the JB audience is very particular, right? And they are more advanced than I think your typical podcast listener. And I think they would actually find a mix your own feed feature really handy. Now, of course, all the other RSS feed stuff would have to be in place and we'd have to have, uh, you know, some way of actually managing this. But I, I just imagine like you go to a page and you select the shows you want. Maybe you want Office Hours, Coder Radio and Linux Action News. And then you click generate and it generates you a custom feed. And if you're a member, again, going back to being able to authenticate, if you're a member, that list expands, right? And you get all like, I want the regular version of the show, but I want the special feature of this. And you could really kind of mix and match because that's always the request I get is I, people want a real mix of things. Like, uh, I know this sounds so silly, but a common request is, is people want the regular shows with the ads because they like the ads. But then they also want like the post show or the special features for that show, or they want like a mix of shows that we don't offer an RSS feed for. And it's not something I could really see facilitating today, but you start going the direction you're talking about, Stefan, and it starts to at least lay the groundwork to enable features like that. Also, I think having like an API, um, people can come up with their own usage of it. I mean, you could also like make it uh, possible to query episodes and shows and get like, um, yeah, JSON back and then you can do bas basically anything you want. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is really, really neat. Um, but Elway was like uh, nodding along to fast API and Python. So he seems to agree that it's like a preferred <laughs> solution. Do you like that, Elway? You're on board with that? Yeah, Kyra and I actually talked about that a little bit for the contact page. Instead of using the third-party hosted one, do some type of fast API post yes. integration. And that's on 139 that we kind of, the issue number is 139 that we talked a little bit about it. Crazy, because we, we didn't talk about it prior. And uh, so without <laughs> yeah. talking with each other, we come to the same conclusion. So that that's always like... A good sign, I guess. And uh, yeah, you can uh, do all kinds of stuff. Like um, if you have an API, you can do like webhooks. So for example, the GitHub action 
triggers a webhook to the API and then something happens and so on. So there's like all kind of possibilities that would open up. So I'm I'm all for that. Chris, aren't we so lucky? Like I I'm just loving just sitting back and listening to these <laughs> two just like throw ideas around. I feel like we're super lucky to have uh all this talent getting combined from like a bunch of different people into quite an amazing thing that we've created here this year. It's only been what? It's been like eight months. Has it been eight months that we've done the website? It's come a long way. Wow. Wow. Feels a bit longer, to be honest. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you sure it hasn't been two years? <laughs> yeah. I remember there was those first few months, Stefan, when uh, you and I, like every third day, we'd do a check-in and be like, well, it feels like the stress is going up because that deadline date, it keeps coming and, and we keep thinking of things we need to integrate and we're not getting there. But uh, I'd say... It's been a successful year, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also um, forgot to mention um, that I did a dump of the old website. So I have that under original.jupiterbroadcasting.net. And uh, I will use that to, to build the archive. But uh, we still have the old version of the site as a static site because I, I knew I wouldn't make it for the deadline. So I... A bit to cover my behind <laughs> so i have it's out there on life support that's 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 comforting and it's fast as never before because it's like static html and not like wordpress so <laughs> right it's like of course lazy that is fast. hilarious well, why yeah. don't we just do that no <laughs> that sounded way easier <laughs> yeah. i could have just done that from the very beginning uh well very good guys um so it's nice it's nice to catch up with both of you. We should say at this point if you're interested in joining uh, this effort, this could be a lot of fun. It's a great way to dip your toes in and, you know, not get overwhelmed and uh we have a lot of stuff github.com/jupiterbroadcasting. Go in there you can find the website. There's other projects on there as well. A lot to get involved with. And I want to give a shout out just uh, before we move on because I want to I, I need to mention Linode too. But I just wanted to say that Sovereign Feeds is a really killer podcasting 2.0 RSS feed generator. This could be worth looking at just to see the options and outputs and fields that it generates. But if you're listening to all of this and you want to get in on the podcasting 2.0 stuff and you just want a tool that you can use to just kind of get started and generate a feed, you can put your podcast into Sovereign Feeds and then it will help you create podcasting 2.0 compatible entries. And the, including the value split, uh, host and guest information, which they call cast. There's so many cool entries there. Ownership info, show art stuff, chapters, transcripts, anything that's in the podcasting 2.0 spec. Sovereign Feeds, so that's SovereignFeeds.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Has support for that. And it also supports updating PodPing, which is another aspect of the podcasting 2.0 spec, is updating PodPing so all the clients are aware that there is actually uh, a new update. And uh, so put a link into that because I think that's a pretty cool tool. It's I don't know if it's the, it's not the right one for us because the way we want to programmatically generate them. But I think it's really a great option for people that maybe have one or two podcasts and they want to they want the feeds to be compatible with that. I want to thank Linode for sponsoring this episode of Office Hours. Let's all go right now. I'm doing it right now. Do it with me. Linode. Of course, I got a wire on my keyboard, so it's making it hard to type. But Linode.com. And then instead of all the other shows, screw those shows. Support the office. Go to slash Jupiter. You know? Go to slash Jupiter. That's what you got to do. 
Anyways, linode.com slash Jupiter. Go there. Don't don't go for those other shows. Go there and get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. It's a great way to support the show while you're checking out the best cloud hosting out there. I mean, you heard us just as we're talking about stuff we're building. We're going to run it on Linode. The new website, we're running it on Linode. When I spin up something for my kids, I put it on Linode. When I spin up something for the listeners, I put it up on Linode. Something for myself, Linode. You get the idea. And uh, I am like feeling like an idiot that I didn't try the combination of services on Linode behind Tailscale, so I don't even make them publicly available anymore. I know. Turns out Chris discovers VPNs. They're handy. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, because then you get the security of a private LAN with the speed and performance of a Linode server. It, it just seems so so freaking obvious. Um, there's always new ways you can come up using Linode. Even, even like, you know, you've been hearing these reads for a couple of years. You can still find ways. There's always opportunities to learn. They have like a new recently updated Mastodon one-click deployment. They worked upstream with the project to like really refine that and get that right. Good timing on their part. A couple of questions you have to answer to set up the instance right, then you hit go. It's so nice. And again, the performance, we just wouldn't use it unless the performance was fantastic. So go try them out. You're going to love it. And with that $100, you can really kick the tires. You can deploy something. They got a dozen data centers coming online this year. 40 gigabit connections coming into those machines. They are their own ISP. You're going to love it. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Go check it out. All right, gentlemen. There's so many more things we could talk about. I'm looking at our list here, like doing the meetup replacement, making the license of the shows very explicit on the website building a new JB titles, so much stuff. So I think you guys are just going to have to come back so we can, uh, you know, keep it going. Maybe we'll just check in from time to time. See, see yep. how it's going. I yep. think that's our selfish strategy to get them back once in a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make sure they don't go too I, far away. I like chatting with you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I had a little bit of podcast doom and gloom news, Brentley, that I just wanted to chat about too. And you guys, you, I know, I know you guys would never do anything like this. But there is a new podcast app out, new podcast app. No, not a podcasting 2.0 compatible app. And its big value is that it automatically skips ads from any podcast in the iTunes database. It will automatically skip ads. You saw this coming, Chris, didn't you? I know you've had it, what, on your TV for YouTube stuff? And you've been loving it. And you said, oh, I hope this doesn't come, but it will. Yeah, I know it would. It will. The author wised up. Because Pod News covered this, and the author wrote on the website that they, quote, to be honest, haven't figured out how they're going to pay podcasters. So you pay them. And then at some point, they're going to figure out how to do a rev share with the podcasters. And that's going to probably work out, you know, like, can you imagine how that's going to work out? Wow. Sure. Not well. Yeah, sorry, we couldn't figure something out. So we pocket the money and uh, <laughs> peace out. Or imagine the conversation, like, like I, imagine I get this email. Hi, my name is so-and-so from the AdBlock podcast app, and uh, we've been blocking all of your ads for the last year, and we have about $1,000 we'd like to give you, uh, but you have to go sign up on our platform, go create an account, and now go link your bank account to our platform so we can transfer you them. Like, screw you. This should not be uh, an opt-in by default thing. Uh, this is not going to be good uh, for the traditional podcasting space. And I think there's just going to be more of this kind of thing. See, that's an interesting model that they're building because basically that's what our memberships do, right? If you pay for our memberships, then you don't have to listen to the ads. But it sounds like many of our members love our ads. So I think maybe we're in a good position here. But um, what an interesting business model. I, I could see why some people 
would want this because some podcasts out there have, as we've mentioned, have some just horrendously thought out ads that don't fit the content at all. And so I could see that being a jarring experience and you'd wanting to not have that be in your life. But from what I can tell, most podcasts do offer a membership of sorts. So it feels like why a third party? Why not just support the people you love? I think it's just not enough at scale. Plus, so if I listen to a dozen podcasts, could I pay for a membership for all of them? Probably not. Although I don't know if I want all of them to be ad free either. Could you do a Spotify membership? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say with the dynamic ads coming up. I hear YouTube's getting into podcasts. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe that was the reason why they tried to do it. But if it's specifically based on iTunes ones, it sounds like it's not going to handle dynamic ads at all. I think this is a response to dynamic ads. You know, I think when you start inserting really low quality ads, I think this is what you get. And when everybody has a mattress sponsor um, and Squarespace, you know, this is kind of what you get. And I think it's inevitable because ad sales is the hardest part of my job. It's hard. And I've been doing it for over a decade. I can imagine if you're new to it, if you've never done sales before, if you've never done consulting and contracting before, it could be even harder. And I could see it just being the easier thing to do is take the dynamic insert, take the easy, low paying thing, which frustrates the audience, which causes, which makes them search out for a product like this. And I was having a conversation in the Linux Unplugged Matrix chat room. And, um, you know, the, the, the topic was, I find the boo sound, sound you know, the, the boo's annoying and the sound's annoying because I don't like crypto and I don't like the soundboard which I get that everybody, you know, everybody has a degree of which they're going to like that stuff. But when you got, when you get down to it, when, when we started talking about it, I think when they changed their perspective, they had a completely different feeling about it. And the perspective change was the traditional ad model is very opaque. You have no idea what deals I have with any of my sponsors. You've got no idea how much money I make from any of them. No idea what the agreement is, the terms, the length. You've got none of that information. You don't know how many sponsors I've been talking to, and you don't know how many sponsors have emailed me this week. You don't have any of that information. It's all hidden from you, and it's always been that way, so you're fine with it. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's actually the best for the listener. And value for value is a flip on that. It is, especially with the boost, you know the exact amount we're making. You know who sent it, you know when they sent it, and you know what our relationship with them is. And it's all out there in the open. It's a transparent, open way to fund something. And I think the reason why that matters is because then, as an audience member listening, you can calculate where their bias is coming from. And if you know their bias is coming from the audience, then you can probably have a little bit better uh, faith in their actions. You can probably assume they're doing their best effort, best, you know, they're not trying to deceive you. They're not trying to trick you or make a big sale or, 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 you know, like uh, whatever, right? Like you get, you get where I'm going with that. And it's an open, transparent model, but it is in your face. It is kind of right out there. It's talking about money out in the open. People don't like that. People, people do not like to talk about amounts of money out in the open. It's very uncomfortable. It's very awkward. And so when we started having this conversation in the matrix chat room and we started talking about, well, here's some downsides to the old model. Here's the upsides to this new model. Uh, it became clear to me that it's really the only sustainable long-term way because apps like this and sponsor block and Spotify, they're going to integrate either their own ads 
or they're going to remove ads or there's someone's always going to be screwing with the product. If you depend on control and if you depend on that particular message getting out there for for uh, it and it not being removed, you're going to get screwed because there's going to be an app where with the boost and the value for value, like as many people that get the show, as much as people that spread it, you can cut it up however you like. It still gets the word out there, it gets people listening and it increases the revenue for the podcaster. It to me feels like we're coming into this situation here where we're going to have this very kind of mainstream media style podcasting out there that's going to be sponsor based. It's going to be, uh, you know, on Spotify. It's going to be the styles that we're seeing develop now that are very typical mainstream media. They have a real kind of vanilla vibe to them, real kind of safe, you know, they're real brand safe kind of stuff. And then I think you're going to have the edgier stuff, the more community driven stuff, the stuff that isn't quite as polished, the stuff that, you know, connects with you on a real human level and treats you like an actual individual. And there's a community there. And I, I think they're going to be very distinct branches of the podcast world. Instead of having this kind of podcasting is this big amorphous kind of hodgepodge of all this stuff. It's going to be like this branching of the industry that's going to happen. And so, you know, this app, I don't even want, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to put a link in the show notes, to be honest with you, because you can find it if you really dig around. And the fact that they're changing their, they're changing their verbiage, they're changing the verbiage in real time because they realize how silly it sounds trying to make it better. I just think is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I think it's dangerous because I think it's screwing with how podcasters make money. And I take that really seriously. And I'm really, really grateful for memberships and boosts because the reality is this is going to become more and more common and easier and easier especially when you automate transcripts and you get all the, it's going to be so simple. Like we have already been able to develop technology in-house that can do it. So it's just a matter of time until other people do it, right? Like we can automatically detect ads and cut them. So it's coming, right? Like, ah, and I just wish, I don't know. I just wish people would, uh, would get it. Maybe they don't care. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just care so much because it's my, you know, it's my gerb. I know for me specifically, boosts make it so much easier to give feedback to JB. Like, I probably went from sending like one or two emails to sure. being able to send like four or five comments in every few months. So while I'm also giving, I mean, most of mine are pretty small, but I'm giving value to JB. I'm also feeling more a part of the community as well. So I know I personally wouldn't use that app at all because I enjoy being able to have that openness and integratedness with the community. I actually was telling, or I was listening to another podcast from another network and the host was talking about how he they never get really any feedback until they do like a mm. year in review. And I'm like, guys, check this out. <laughs> like I've posted a few times on the discussion talking, like I told them about it. And then whenever he brought that up, I was like, this is a perfect example. And I actually linked them to a clip of you, Chris, talking about how it has, it's one step removed from being with people and meeting people in person and how it's, you've, had a whole new shift because of the boost and the feedback that you have been giving. And they said that the example that I gave that they could potentially use, they might end up actually doing that because it's a, it sounds interesting to them. Um, so I know for me personally, I 
One, definitely love being able to give back however I can financially, especially with it being smaller amounts, to help JB stay up and hopefully help with liquidity channels and stuff like that. Um, but it's also helps JB as well, because you've talked about on LUP before being able to be up at the top of the charts and how that's brought more attention to the actual podcast. So I think with all of these different 2.0 enhancements that podcasting is getting, it's going to be less appealing to have skipping ads and other things like that, because you won't be able to have the same features and integration and community experience as if you were using the 2.0 stuff. So. Mm, that's a, that's a, I hope, I hope, I hope you're right. Cause I hundred percent agree. You know, I was, uh, maybe this is the same podcast, but I was just listening to uh, a new podcast to me and it's the change log. And many of you might know about it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Oh, okay. I was listening to their year end when I was like, well, I don't, I'm new to this podcast. I'm just going to listen to all their favorites. And they said that explicitly was like, uh, we don't really get any feedback all year. And yet they talk to like Jack Dorsey and like these big names, uh, on their network and they get you know, downloads that they shared that were about LUP numbers. So I feel like they would really benefit from the style of community that we have as well. And I just, maybe that's, maybe the big point here is we have an amazing community. And uh, for many of you to take up the boosts the way that you have, and also to like pause and reevaluate your relationship with podcasts. That's not an easy thing to do. And yet mm -hmm. uh, we've all benefited from having that uh, sort of mental challenge throughout this year. Chris, you and I started this, what, last January? We were kind of like wrapping our heads around this. And <laughs> man, has it ever come a long way in those couple months, you know? Yeah. All I see is, yeah, a bunch of benefits. We We often get like a little bit of pushback from, Chris, you mentioned in the start of this discussion from like, the boost sounds and like not caring about uh, how much people are boosting in and stuff like that. But I, I would say pause again and and think about it. And uh, I think you really nailed it, Chris, with a lot of those points. It's worth chasing because the benefits are huge. So with that, uh, let's get to some boost. TrevDev boosted in with 500 sats. And I think the ADD topic, uh, it hit a note. Uh, TrevDev says, uh, I'm 38 years old. Aside from a good diet, exercise and good sleep, I also take meds. I know they've been uh, stigmatized, uh, but they do work, uh, Vinay's especially. Uh, aside from that, lots of small breaks help. I agree. Music in the background is not a motivator. It's just a small release. But uh, our prefrontal cortex is running on hyperdrive all the time. If we get bored at all, that part of our brain burns out hard and fast and we seek reprieve. Anything you can do to keep your hormones and, circ and circulation in check helps. And take lots of breaks again. You know, I was thinking a lot when we got the question about what I do to, you know, get work done with ADD. And I didn't have a great answer. I don't for so many things I do. I, I can't explain how I do anything. I just do it. It's just sort of instinct. I just sort of do it. So I have a really difficult time, like, explaining what what my process is. But I agree. I always generally have something going in the background. Typically, it's music. Unless the task I'm doing is low cognition, then it's like a video or a podcast. And I, so that way I can split my attention. I'm kind of switching, I think is what I'm doing. I work for a few and then I switched and I listen for a few and then I work for a few and I kind of switch between them. And it, that, that change up seems to help getting up and moving around is something I have a really hard time doing, but that also helps just changing rooms for a bit can help. 
So thank you, TrevDev. Gene Bean came in with 1340 sats, said, Fun fact, when I was diagnosed with ADD, the doc told me that a lot of people with ADHD at the time got attracted to computers because of the refresh rate of CRT monitors did something to calm the ADHD brain down. Interesting theory of nothing else, he says. That is so fascinating. Oh, man. Is that why I like the 120 hertz now? <laughs> <laughs> or just getting blasted by some ray, ray tubes, I guess. It seems more like because the computer's a fun box with endless distractions that to me, but I don't know. Uh, then uh, Gene sent in some leet sats to say, uh, I have found that chatting with others who have ADHD to be really helpful. And he links to uh, ADHD Jesse on Mastodon and Rick Burroughs on Mastodon. They have some pretty good conversations on it. And he says, regarding meds, Stratoterra is one that is not a stimulant. And he says, also, I think people should be more open about it. I agree. And then uh, some 1338 sats to say, uh, doctors have also said that really ADD is really just lumped into ADHD. It's just a subtype. So that you have uh, attention deficit disorder and attention deficit hyperactive disorder. But they're really all kind of the same thing. I feel like as a kid, you have ADHD. And then as an adult, you have ADD because you just slow down. I love when you get hyperactive, Chris. It's a whole different side. Do I now? Mm-hmm. Do I get hyper? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Mostly around like the idea of making your own cider for episode 500. That's usually when it comes <laughs> up. So Gene also says that I'd really like to know what you could do without leaving the iPhone. I'm really interested in results like NextCloud and such, but I don't want to drop the iPhone yet. I get you, Gene. I totally get you. I I wonder. And we talked about that a little bit with like integrating NextCloud now and doing some investigations into some of the software that you might use, you know, say a year down the road if you decide to switch platforms. But there's a lot you can do on the iPhone, even if you just sort of put your mind to it. I've I've kind of felt the same since, Chris, you've been on the giraffing uh, tour. I feel like even though I've been doing a custom ROM on my phone and having these sort of privacy conscious uh directions in my mobile computing for many years uh now i feel like i'm missing out a little bit so i keep thinking like what can i do on my platform to get as close as what chris has now <laughs> and that all starts with a good next cloud brent you're already there you know i have the reason why i'm the reason why i'm trying to drop the iphone um and the reason why i'm going with drafting is it kind of it's the i'm in the i'm in the opposite position that steve ovens is so uh at Linux Ovens, Steve from the Ask Noah show, he tweeted me today. He said, uh, he was talking to my co-host on Coda Radio. He says, guys, as a matter of principle, I don't use mobile for financial stuff. Uh, I tried to do the boost thing to support gamer radio, but the barrier to entry is not worth the price of admission. Uh, he doesn't want to use anything that requires mobile. He says it's a non-starter. And that's how I felt. For I just didn't really trust like putting a lot of Bitcoin or cash or really the financial apps on my phone. I just, that was really uncomfortable with that. And it's clearly the direction things are going. It's so clearly, because I've done some digging into like different wallets and stuff you can use. And so clearly they're building towards mobile. And so I thought, what would it take for me to truly trust the OS? And I think ultimately it would have to be that Apple and Google don't have the keys. And then I would start to trust what I could put on there if I trusted everything else about the OS as well. And so what I'm trying, at least until the end of January, is to stay with Drafting OS the entire time and create a platform that I feel like is truly mine. And I, I, so far, that aspect's really working for me because I also didn't trust mobile OSs. So that's why I decided to move away from the iPhone. However, like my whole family's staying with it for now. And I may go back. Who knows? Because Gene says, like Gene, he says, I too have an Apple Watch. 
Uh, I don't use macOS on the regular. I'm not interested in ditching my watch, though. He says uh, he likes the idea of maybe running his own push notification server. Yeah, the watch thing doesn't work so well with uh, Android OS, I have to say. E-Rock boosted him with 1,000 sats. Guys, I implore you. Oh, wait, I was going to do it like this. <clears throat> E-Rock boosted in. I implore you to restrict the project pronunciation sat leaderboard to LARP. The soft G in giraffeine is killing me, and I am no baller. <laughs> yeah, That's no, amazing. Not like it needed to be epic. I feel like we've tried to keep it from some of the other shows, but I just can't help myself. Giraffeine is such a such a lovely thing. It's too fun. It's too fun. But I think, you know, that's it for this show. I think we need to have a page where we have all of these things. It's like a glossary. <laughs> these are going to yes. be the active things <laughs> that are actually being pronounced because of sats and then have the active amount or something like that. So that way people know, all right, if you want to change it, you got to write in with this boost amount. <laughs> we could also uh, like feature on the page like a dave that shows them all and as they get updated we update the day (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny that nobody's boosted in to lup to try to get us to pronounce it correctly they've only boosted in with more mispronunciations too that's a that's a very good point that's a very good point twisted so twisted marcel boost is boosted with a thousand sats in my experience Nextcloud talk is still a pain to host especially for voice video calls i had to set up a stun and ton or turn server sorry uh, I never actually got it to work. For text, it was okay-ish, but that was a while ago. Okay, I all right, Marcel, I haven't tested NextCloud talk much beyond just an evening. I think Fluffy Chat's still the direction I'll go, but man, the iMessage stuff is going to be the biggest uphill battle of all this, 100%. It's a huge thing already. You know, I have a little bit of experience with exactly this, NextCloud talk, and uh, for my use case, it was mostly like a one-on-one conversation uh, that I did quite often. And would occasionally get a little message saying, hey, we're having a hard time like connecting peer-to-peer. Having a turn server would be helpful, and here's how you do it. So that part of the interface was nice. It's like, well, if you want better performance, you should you know, check this out. So it was nice that they sort of included that as a, as a suggestion in the app itself for those of us who are self-hosting it and are a bit more technical. I never did investigate it, and I, we just used my same server for like our Christmas get together. And we had like three or four connections or something like that. And it worked fine. But I, that was my experience too. It was like every once in a while, the connections just kind of don't work great and you run into some issues. So someone more knowledgeable than me, maybe Stefan, you have some experience here, but uh, I think, yeah, it could be a real uh, blocker if you're trying to, Chris, I know you often do like, multiple chats with your kids in different areas and stuff like that. So it could be an issue for sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that can be a trick with WebRTC calls. If like, you know, there's firewalls in between that, all that kind of stuff. They can have a hard time finding each other. I could always uh, point you to my GitLab instance where I have a GitLab action to automatically deploy Jitsi for me. Oh, (laughs) well, that's nice. Yeah, that's what I do whenever our family has a get-together. I just have a manual key and true set in the web UI, and it just automatically deploys it with Terraform and Ansible, and then I can just destroy it afterwards. Yeah, but I mean, the the normal user that just set up Nextcloud and maybe on a shared hosting or so, (laughs) that's like super easy. And then setting up a turn and uh, so server is like a whole can of worms, and uh, you need a real server for that and so on. So that's like... 
something completely different. So I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Mirror Mortals podcast boosted with 3,333 sats. Uh, thanks for the recommendation regarding the Python tips last episode. I have a couple of mini projects related to my podcast in mind, I'm automating chapters and whatnot, but it's hard to get a grasp on what is feasible at, or not at this early stage. I'm actually already almost through both of Lex's conversations with Gildio. I'll check on your other recommendations as well. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year, Mirror Mortals. And they followed up on the Coda Radio podcast, too. So they made the whole trip back, all the way back. So uh, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, Python on the back end for automating podcast production gets two big thumbs up from me. I definitely think you're on the right track there. There is um, definitely some chapter stuff you could look into. Also, you you probably already know about it, but I'm just going to mention Sovereign Feeds as well. Something to check out. I'm sure you're probably already up to date on that, but that could help some of that with that lift as well. And then our last boost comes in from True Grits, 6,000 sats, boosted uh, just a day after Christmas saying, thanks for the episode and Merry Christmas to both of you. No, oh, that's sweet. All four of us, I guess. Did you have a good Christmas, Brent? You know, I think I did. It was really low key, much more than any other year. Uh, you know, the last couple of years have been a bunch of traveling or hosting, you know, um, this year we just did nothing. It was amazing. It's nice, yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, it was fabulous. So we did some like a little bit of hiking and being outdoors and just like doing nothing. Oh, we did play video games all night for like three nights in a row. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> some like uh, Star Fox. I'm gonna put that out there. One of my favorite games ever. And uh, you know the usual Mario Kart and Super Mario Bros and such. Yeah, had a good time. How about you? Uh, yeah, you know, we uh, we did all of our main Christmas stuff on Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Christmas Day, uh, the kids were with their mom. And uh, so it was just Hadia and myself. And uh, we did little projects around the house and watched uh, Top Gear. Nice. Or, uh, yeah, no, Top Gear, no, Top Gun, Top Gun. We watched Top Gun 1 and uh, Top Gun 2, Maverick. But, you know, it, we could have been doing anything. It would have been easier than last year because last year we were stuck out in the woods in that massive uh, winter storm where everything froze up and we ran out of propane and water and our slides froze open. And that was, you know, survival Christmas. So this year, just chilling. So, <laughs> just so what you're saying out. is this year you didn't generate any content over Christmas? <laughs> no, really? no, no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Hmm. <laughs> Got to reevaluate re that one. I better go get, you know, this, this, this sounds like a, a vlogger thing to do. Go get yourself stuck in the woods on purpose just for the content. That like you're getting desperate if you got to do that. Well, I, th I thought that was your plan the whole time. <laughs> uh, you know what? If you'd like to send a boost to the show and you, like Steve, are not comfortable putting any kind of money or anything like that on your phone, or you don't want to switch podcast apps, just go get Al Albie. GetAlby.com and then load that up with a few Satskis, and then uh, you can just boost from the Podcast Index website. You can go right there. Just go to their website, Boost, and you can either top off from Albi if you can use MoonPay, or you can use an app like Strike or Cash App or Blue Wallet, and you can get some sats, send them into Albi. And then the other thing that's kind of like next level about that is Albi can be, then be connected to Podverse. So it's one wallet across web boosts and mobile boosts. That's super nice. And the other killer thing besides Albi being open source that I love is Albi also allows you to use your own node or you can host with Albi. You have all kinds of options and great flexibility. It's a real power tool that isn't too complicated to use. Get ALBY.com, or you can get a new podcast app. I love Podverse. You can go check that out at newpodcastapps.com. Fountain FM will help you earn sats, and then if you boost into the show, it helps rank us on the charts too. So there's lots of great options out there 
It's a real buyer's market these days. So go do a little uh, podcast app shopping. You deserve it. I also noticed, Chris, you sent this in. We uh, saw the stats for Fountain for the entire year. And did you notice how Linux Unplugged was number five on that list for most boosted all year? Yeah, and Kodu ranked up there pretty well, too. And yep. uh, Yeah, those are some neat stats. I think we should dig those up and cover those in LUP or something. I should have had them for this episode because the That's amounts true. and stuff like that that they sent around... It's a big deal. It's a, it's really awesome to see it taking off. And the Fountain app, you know, they're moving super fast. I'm a, a member now of their uh, of their beta group, and I could just see them working on stuff all the time. So we uh, this week they just did three minutes ago. This week, LUP is number nine on the chart. Hey, we're still in the top ten on a, on a holiday. I'm gonna take that. That's great. It's great seeing that, and, and that has tens of thousands of more downloads. It's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, it's been great to have. Uh, that support result in uh, more and more people discovering the show too. Fountain FM, if you want to check out the Fountain app, it's pretty great. So get go get subscribed. Officehours.hair. Subscribe to the show. You know what we do. We do more shows, and we're going to be talking about. So I don't. I don't need to. I don't got to explain it to you. You know how it works. I got to get back to work. I got shows to record. I'll let you handle it. You got this. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time.